2: Welcome in to Inside Carolina's On the Beat Live podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. That's Ross Martin, Inside Carolina's beat writer, extraordinary producer, John Bowman. Below, we're sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt and johnnytshirt.com. My system's all jacked up, so if I blink out or disappear, um, it's my internet, and I don't know what's going on. I've been trying to fix it. Ross, uh, coaching hires, Adam Smith will join us here in a minute, Uh, but we were in the press conference yesterday, and we discussed it a little bit afterwards, but your overall take on on what you heard, both from Mac and then we'll get into the coordinators.
0: Yeah, definitely want Adam's opinion on all this, too. Um, whew, there was a lot to go through with uh, with Coach Brown. Um, I mean, because this was the first time we talked to him since the Clemson game, I believe. So there's a lot of confluence of, of topics. There's the transfers, there's um, people leaving UNC, people coming to UNC, there's bowl grain prep, and there's the new um, offensive. Uh, coordinator hire, a new offensive line hire, and then the decisions of Phil Longo to leave and for Jack McNeil to leave. So there was a lot of topics, and I think, you know, we got some answers from Mac about some eligibility with certain players, players that are going to play the bowl game, players that are, are not playing the bowl game, got a better idea. So definitely check out all that content. But, I mean, I think the, the main focus was just kind of the process of hiring, what he wanted to find, what he wanted out of the offensive coordinator and offensive line coach. And... Let's see. I mean, he said he talked to only two people, right? Two offensive coordinators, and he said the focus was he didn't want to change the offense. He didn't want to get away from the air raid as much. He wanted to just tweak it. The focus was finding, you know, someone that would bring more of a uh, toughness uh, to the run game, to red zone. And so that kind of indicates why they went with an offensive line a hire, kind of first and and that that operated a little differently than they didn't hire with him in lockstep and I'm interested to see what you think about that Tommy and what Adam thought about that cuz it's still a little confusing the timeline on how each one got hired but we can get into all of that um and then we can get into each you know uh Chip Lindsay and Randy Clements um there's just a lot to talk to talk about today There yeah.
2: <laughs> let's uh let's check on Adam and and while we're going, but go ahead, John. I'm gonna slack Adam and get an ETA so we don't have to repeat it. But he had all day it. to
0: get he had all day to get the Michigan preview out. He had all
3: day. <laughs> hey, it's the holidays. You have to be you have to be kind to people. There were two interesting things for me from that press conference. The first, you already referenced Ross, the fact that uh, there were only two candidates, from what Mac said, for the offensive coordinator position. We had talked at Inside Carolina about how this could be a national search with some big names uh, just because of the fact that North Carolina is such a strong brand and because you have Drake May, who is such a unique and talented quarterback who's returning. Uh, And yet, Mac Brown says he only talked to two people. That's surprising to me. Why not talk to 10 people? Why not open up Your Rolodex, having been in coaching and having worked at ESPN for five years, why not call everyone and and see who is interested and who isn't? And the second thing that's interesting to me is the fact that Mac Brown mentioned no coach in waiting. I found that really interesting. He said, I've already done that at Texas. Uh, And that that was surprising to me because I think Mac is, um, you know, maybe in a a different stage uh, than some other coaches around the country. Uh, we know he's he's a little bit older uh, than maybe the the average age of coaches in the ACC. So to hear him reject that so strongly, I thought was really interesting. And I'm curious kind of what you all thought about that piece of it as well. We can talk about that tonight.
2: Yeah, I mean, Mike's been feisty the last few weeks, last couple months. Well, probably since, I guess, the Wake Forest game. Um, he's gotten a little feisty discussing this stuff because he's – he believes what they're doing and is, is building what um, he believes is, is in the right direction. And, and, you know, when you look back on the on the season, certainly it's a, they're trending upward. As far as who you talk to and all, he said I only seriously talk to two people. Now, one thing we've your, learned
0: – your head's cut out of the shot.
2: What, well, that's good because it's shining light. <laughs> one good thing about um, – or one interesting thing about Mac Brown is he rarely says what he does not mean. And when he says he only seriously talked to two people, um, I don't necessarily think those were the only two people he discussed the offensive coordinator position with in total. Maybe I'm wrong. He will certainly tell us I'm wrong. Um, As he'd said that there was a lot of conflicting and false information out there, but the bottom line, he got who he wanted, uh, who he said he wanted one thing one thing we definitely know and Ross this is something that I I really want to get Adam in here on is Clements is an offensive line coach that he wanted I do believe that that was his first choice at that position you know and this guy I asked Clements about the Baylor game the Baylor North Carolina game and he flat out he laughed about it and said you're going to bring that up and I think that game, what they did to North Carolina, that game is exactly what Mac envisions being able to do to teams, um, even with Drake May as quarterback. So I think that hire was spot on for Mac.
0: Yeah, on the offensive um, coordinator stuff, John, I mean, yeah, he said he only, I guess, only seriously talked with two, maybe where you get to the point of of it being very serious in terms of uh, negotiations and all that stuff. Who knows how many he talked to? I mean, I doubt Chip Lindsey was the first choice. You know, um, so there could be conversations with a lot of people that didn't go anywhere. You know, you, you check on, you know, you check on your top picks. You check on the biggest names out there, and that's a call usually from to an agent. Um, I imagine. I don't know how. I'm not really sure how all these things work, but you know, rarely do you actually. Ta- you don't. You don't really talk to the guy um, until it gets a little bit more serious. You just check. You know, check who is available, who's open to conversations, and then it gets more serious once you you get to the next level. What I thought was surprising. Was that he didn't interview either of those guys in person? That was I don't question. think he's met. Has he met those guys? He said the first time he met both those guys in person was Monday. Yeah. So that was surprising to me, and I, I think I would like to. If I'm, you know, kind of banking my future on somebody, I'd want to meet that per- that guy in person. You know, go through some film, go through some tape, talk about recruiting, show the facility. You know, meet the staff. You know, bring those guys in for interviews first. I don't know, maybe it's because of the scheduling with recruiting. You know, Mac was – it seemed like he was traveling almost every day last week too during the hiring process. Um, but that stood out to me. I, I would I would at least like to meet the guy in person. So it was done through Zoom and then some phone calls. And then Drake had some phone calls and, and FaceTimes with with Chip Lindsay as well. Um, but, yeah, I think you're right, Tommy. I think they, I think he wanted a stronger red zone run game, focused, run the ball, run down the throats. And that's why Randy Clements was hired. He was hired kind of independently of Chip Lindsey. He said he didn't know that Chip Lindsey was the offensive coordinator uh, when he signed off, when he signed in to be the the next offensive line coach. They they did want to work together before. um, And then Chip Lindsey was kind of hired independently. And and that's kind of how Mac wanted to do with it. Uh, Again, the the timeline, was was still kind of confusing. You'd have to listen to all three press conferences to parse through how exactly each one was hired.
2: Yeah, and and one of the – and I'm hearing um, feedback. I don't know if
0: it's from you guys or from probably, me. My stuff's jacked up. I'm trying to figure it out.
2: Yeah, I don't understand what's going on with mine either. I've moved stuff around. But the uh, – Clement's talking about um, – I I believe you asked him, um, or, or one of us did, or maybe Adam asked him, did you know that Chip Lindsey was the offense coordinator when you were hired? And he said, I did not. And he said it twice. And then he said, you guys looking at me like you don't believe me. Um it's it's an interesting way of doing things, um, but the bottom line, it doesn't matter how it got there. Uh, North Carolina has new offensive coordinator, new offensive line coach, and um, it, it's got to be successful, right, Ross? And you you said this talking about you know basing your basically your leg- legacy in the last years of your career on these guys being able to get it done. But I thought what he said, and, and, and this is just me interpreting, it was a pretty strong indictment of Phil Longo's offense um, with the discussion about the red zone and being more physical and all that. And, and quite frankly, one thing that I thought of a lot, and John, get Adam in here while we're talking. I guess he can hear me now. One thing that I thought, of, welcome, Adam Smith. Hello. Appreciate you you could join us. Hope the uh, Michigan and Carolina preview went up smoothly. We're talking about offensive coordinator and offensive line coach, so we want to get your take on it. But one thing that I started thinking about listening to Longo over the past year talking about playing the grass and we seek out grass. Well, in the red zone, there's less grass. And that, it dawned on me. That's why his offense doesn't work in the red zone. But Adam, you get in here and, and discuss. What did you think of the press conferences? What do you What you think of Max's comments about these hires, and then the timing of them? Is the grass a marijuana reference? No. Yes. <laughs> um, I don't do that stuff. I I, I am John Christine. chuckles. Why are you
3: chuckling, John? It's a funny joke. It's a
2: thank, funny joke. Thank you, funny. Johnny.
1: <laughs> uh, you know we need like a rim shot. <laughs> You know, for these dad jokes that I have over here. Oh. Uh, well, I mean, I don't know where have you guys gone with this? It's have you gotten Ross's take? I take it. Yeah, let's get your opinion.
0: Let's get your opinion on the, what Max said, and we'll go into each hire, Adam. Um. Uh, well, um. You know, it's. <laughs>
1: I mean, it seems like with the offensive line coach Randy Clements. I mean that that guy is just a. Big old boy from where's he from Texas? I'm assuming. Texas, uh, Texas. I mean, My
0: word. There was uh, a there was a line on the message board. So that was perfect. It's essential central casting for offensive line coaches, and it's even more jarring in person. I it mean, really that, is. unshaven, but he's he's got more of the goatee. You know, it's longer <laughs> than the beard, which is by design, which means he's a goatee guy. He's out to shave and gruff, big little. He's got a little lip. He's got a little lip curl thing too. The voice is gruff.
1: I think, Ross, you're exactly right about central casting. Yeah, I mean, he's talking about your first step is your most important step. I'm just expecting him just to hit somebody when he's when he's talking about that. But, you know, hey, Mac pointed it out. What did he say? The last time the Tar Heels played a Randy Clements coached offensive line, Baylor ran for 685 yards on Carolina in the uh, Russell Athletic Bowl 2015. Um, a, a Gene Chiswick defense, as we all know. Yeah, how did um, those
2: conversations go? <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, last time I saw you, we, we ran
1: for half a mile, well, for three miles. I'm still unclear if, you know, Mac obviously made the comment that, that Randy has, the Clements has the run the damn ball shirt and run the damn ball cap. Like, I mean, was he really wearing that when Mac Brown talked to him about coming and taking a job? Seems like, I don't know. I don't know if I would show up on Zoom like that mm-hmm. to try to interview for a job. How about them not interviewing in person, Adam? Both coaches. I mean, yeah. I mean, you're you're signing on uh to to come to a place you haven't ever seen before. Um, but like, you know, we were talking to Clements, uh, obviously he knows Seth Latrell well. I'm sure you guys have talked about that. And yeah, I think it was I think I asked him the question that, you know, like what kind of a, what kind of a sounding board was he for you to, you know, sort of pick the brain of when you're talking about coming and working at UNC. So, yeah, you're right, Ross. I mean, like, yeah, you just hop on Zoom and what he was coaching in a bowl game, you know, and um, UCF's obviously getting ready for to play Duke, you know, in the, what, Liberty Bowl, I think it is, one of those bowls. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, I think that obviously the proof will be in the pudding when Carolina gets out there and starts playing games next season and uh, – you know, you can sort of evaluate it much more. I don't know how you evaluate, you know, these guys stepping up to a podium at a place they just got to. Clements looked like he needed some sleep, I thought. I mean, the guy's been all over the world. My favorite line,
2: uh, Ross, you asked about recruiting, and he said, uh, you know, do they love football? We've heard that so many times. I mean, I immediately flashed back to Bunning and all those guys, but I liked when he talked about you got a guy six seven you know, 260 pounds and, but does he really love it? Man, that is so offensive line coach.
0: Yeah. And I think that's more important than ever. Now Uh, we talk about that a little bit in, on the recruiting podcast, Um, you know, scouting once you get to college, you know, everyone's fast, everyone's big, everyone's got size. So it's really who wants to work hard, who wants to invest time, who wants to really, really get better. And so I think the recruiting mentality now is more important than ever. Um, getting to know the kid and both those coaches um, Lindsay and Clements mentioned like recruiting is, you know, you got to love the game and make sure these players you recruit love football and love the grind. And one, you know, Clements was talking about they got to want to wake up and get low in the squat machine um, and and squat, you know, so uh, that, that was a, that was obviously uh, what stood out when we talked about recruiting there. Um, Tommy back on your thing about, Mac talking about Longo a little bit. Um, I, I don't think they had a, a very pretty parting. Uh, it seemed like Mac was a little upset about red zone success, but I think fans like dude Longo ran the last four years have been the great best four years in UNC offensive history. One of the best offenses ever. I think the best offense ever in 2020. One of the best offenses ever in 2022. Like there's to be t- I think people are gonna miss Phil Longo. Uh, mm-hmm. Who knows how good Lindsey's gonna be. Uh, he's got a little, you know, given Drake May, he's gonna is off, you know, what he does is gonna be skewed by just having Drake May. But I know you know, every every coach is not, there's always flaws, and his flaw is obviously some red zone stuff. And that, that sucks. That's how you score, but people are gonna miss Longo. And I think, I mean, I've had some fans and friends who text me or like are happy that Longo is gone. And I'm like, dude, count your blessings. Like he, he was, um, I thought he was really, really good as offensive coordinator. Um, so we'll see on that, but I, I think there was a little uh, divorce there that that obviously both sides are discussing. Obviously, it was,
2: it, 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 yeah, it was tense.
1: It felt tense. Um, I felt like
0: he was taking some shots at, at a field, little bit, honestly,
1: with saying we got soft in the running game. Yeah. Um, maybe I interpreted it wrong, but you know when he said he said it, he said it at least twice, if not three, four times. We got soft in the running game, yeah, um, and
3: and two points to build on that too. I mean, I think the UNC Miami game in 2020, that was some of the most physical running we've ever seen from a North Carolina team. And that was with Phil Longo as offensive coordinator. That was with Devontae and Michael, who are obviously two all-world running backs. But the second point there too is one of the themes this season that Jason Staples brought up over and over again in his videos is that UNC's running backs weren't quite hitting the hole exactly how they were supposed to. Maybe the vision wasn't quite there. Um, so to, to call out so strongly the, the running game and the lack of toughness, I think it's a little bit unfair to Phil Longo. I agree with you, Ross, that this uh, Carolina offense the last four seasons has been incredibly successful and c- incredibly uh, consistent. Um, so I think that it might be a little bit uh, interesting to see if that level of consistency can be maintained next season. Oh,
1: I'll tell way. you what. They're going to oh, be all way. Way. Go ahead. Uh, like John makes a great point. Javante Williams and Michael Carter, hello. And mm-hmm. also, in twenty twelve 2021, when Todd Chandler was the feature back, Carolina led the ACC in rushing in 2021. Like, how have they gotten soft in the run game? This was one season that, you know, that they had led the ACC the last couple of years in rushing, you know, with Sam Howell at quarterback, you know, firing missiles all over the place. Sorry to cut you off, Tommy. I was just like – No,
2: you're absolutely right. I mean, in 19, they were solid. In 20, you had those guys. But then you lost those guys, and you still led the league in rushing. And, and then in a year last year where you don't have – British Brooks gets hurt. And, and I think I think we may put too much stock in what would have been had British Brooks been healthy based on two games. But I think he would have been better than what they had. And then you had Caleb Hood get hurt. You, you know, Elijah Green was hurt portion of the year. I think that that portion of it – was interesting to me to, because of y'all's points there is that they were successful running the football, but they couldn't run it when they wanted to or when right. they needed to, and I mm-hmm. think that's what Mac was fed up with.
0: It was all you know. It's all new running backs too this past year. Elijah Green was relatively a new running back, had done anything, and then Amari Hampton, Caleb Hood was I think got some carries last year, but he was mostly a new running back. DJ Jones and George Pettway. Yeah, I think it was like when you need that one or two yards in the red zone, they couldn't get it. And you had re- recency bias with the last three games struggling in the red zone. That's what Drake was the worst. The office was the worst. But this let's make this clear. Phil left. Like, Phil wasn't fired. Like, yeah. I think Mac would – I mean, I think they might have had some issues, but I think if Phil wanted to be here, he would still be here. I think Mac would, would, would gladly have him back for another season – I don't think he was at risk of being fired or anything, but I I, I don't know if we want to move to the offensive coordinator. We haven't really talked about Chip oh, Lindsay sure. as much. Um, Adam, what were your thoughts on Chip Lindsay? Just the press conference in general. I know Tommy and I talked a little bit offline about that press conference in general. I mean, yeah, I know, I know how you feel about
1: some of it, Ross. Like, uh, you know, I don't know how to feel about Chip Lindsey. I mean, I, he didn't exactly blow me away, but I mean, I didn't expect him to get up there and captivate me. Um, You know, I'm just interested to see, you know, Max comments about, uh, you know, Drake wants somebody to work with him on his footwork. Drake wants somebody to work with him on his throwing motion. Um, You know, like, let's see what Chip Limsey can do with that. Uh, You know, I mean, he didn't call plays last year for UCF, but, you know, I mean, he was up in the booth. I wanted to ask, I should have asked him when he said he was up in the booth at UCF last year, does he plan on being up in the booth at UNC because Phil was obviously on the sideline with his uh, wristbands, you know, like ready to go. Um, But I mean, you know, he, his, his track record is a successful one. Um, You know, I, I, I wasn't sure. And I mean, like I say, he didn't captivate me, but like, is that his job to captivate a nerd like myself? No, it's not. It's to go out there and score points and get your quarterback playing well. And, and, Get your offense going up and down the field. I, I do feel like in some of the things that I know about him that, you know, he he has catered to his talent. Um, you know, he had some good quarterbacks uh, at Troy and Southern Miss. And then UCF this year ran the ball all over, up and down the field um, because of the, the, the skill set of the quarterback, you know. not a classic, like, drop back pro style guy. So, I don't know. We'll see. You know, I don't want to – Jumped to any conclusions off of
0: talking to the guy for 15 minutes here. John, what do you like, think? Or Tommy, go ahead.
3: No, John can come in. Get in here. You watch it? Yeah. The first, first thought that I had when Chip Lindsey was hired, I'll be completely honest, was who is this guy? Uh, I'm yeah. following UNC football pretty closely, and that wasn't a name that was on my radar, to be honest with everyone. Listening to his press conference, <laughs> that's is that Chip
0: Is that Chip Lindsey's wife? <laughs>
3: Hey, we, looked, welcome, we welcome all feedback she I, keeps us
2: in check she's right, right. i'm tired <laughs> I, uh...
3: but um with chip Lindsay, one of the first things that i thought listening to him was i kind of felt like we had seen this movie a little bit before because his three tenants sounded a lot like smart fast and physical of larry fedora that was one of my first thoughts as well um and then i think too I remember when Jay, ba- Jay Bateman was hired, uh, he really impressed in that press conference setting. He seemed very cerebral, you know, very complicated answers with formations and talking about how aggressive his defense was going to be. And obviously we know how Jay Bateman's time turned out here. So I think winning the press conference isn't necessarily correlated with success on the field. Um, but I, I kind of agree with, with Adam's take for the most part and had a little bit of deja vu Uh, Maybe a little bit of Larry Fedora vibes with with some of the offensive principles that he laid out.
2: You know, listening to him, um, I'll say this off the top. I I think North Carolina fans are tired of guys that win press conferences. You know, I I think when you get down into it, folks get tired of hearing, like, there's a defensive line coach, Tim Cross, that won a press conference and and won the first month won the first month and that defensive line has been bad for for three years now and and so um those guys are better than they've played and and that's an indictment of the coach so i think north carolina fans that i talk to if a coach gets up there to press conference i kind of like clements in this regard he just kind of like said you know like yeah this is what we're gonna do um do you love football and stuff like that? I don't. I, for me, I don't need somebody to make me say, "Whoa, this guy's impressive." They just need to produce on the field. And I think Lindsey, you talk about Fedora, I think Lindsey is very cerebral and thought, thoughtful at what he's trying to say. Also, these guys just walked in the building, guys. Like literally, <laughs> they just walked in the building and they're like answering questions about what are you going to do with drake may and and what's your philosophy on this and that mm-hmm. and also i mean i give him a little bit of a pass on that i will say that i i was not i was not blown away either but that i don't think uh, when i sat back and watched it again and then listened to it i don't i don't think that makes a whole hell of a lot of difference now we get to september and late september and the offense is struggling that's when you got to start winning some press conferences because you're going to be taking some heat from, from everybody yeah.
0: and we'll see. Yeah, like if the uh, offense regresses, oh boy, because expecting a lot, especially with who returns, you only really lose Josh Downs, Antoine Green, which is a lot. Um, I mean, my take is similar to y'all's. First with Clements, I mean, we might not speak to him again. Uh, that guy right. probably hates I'm not going to say media. anything bad to him, by the way. Yeah, uh, also, I think Clements breakfast. A. Clements A plus plus. Yeah. And, uh, I don't want to go on his bad side. Uh, but I, I actually listened to his press conference again today because uh, Tommy handled the transcription of Clements. I handled the uh, transcription of Lindsey, so I had gone through Lindsey already. I listened to Clements again today. It was also shorter. he he did fine. I mean, I think that's kind of what you want off offensive line coach. He's been, he comes with pretty high, um, you know, standards and and whatever uh, his his CV and whatnot. Uh, But yeah, Chip Lindsey, he just spoke, it it wasn't, it wasn't super polished. He didn't make eye contact as much. I don't want to judge too much off a press conference like this either. Uh, Who knows? Like he just may be an offensive mastermind. He just is not good talking to the I'd rather him be a better offensive coordinator and just a wizard than being able to talk to us idiots. Um, But, yeah, some things just, you know, he spoke in generalities, wasn't very civic, uh, a little bit vague on stuff, kind of used the the buzzwords, um, didn't really give that strong of an answers, but he was fine. I'd give it a, you know, a C in terms of press conferences. Um, uh, But, yeah, he has been pretty successful wherever he's been. I think people are concerned he didn't call plays last year. You know, he got his play calling – Taken away from it, Auburn one year uh, when Gus took over. When you're with Gus Malzahn, like he's gonna want to call plays. That's like his thing. Um, but uh, we'll see. It seems like the Drake May inclusion seemed a little. Now it seemed a little bit made for TV. Like we got this star quarterback, and he signed off on on Chip Lindsey, and he talked to him, and you know, they're best buddies. Now that seemed a little performance uh, performative. There, it's a new word I'm trying to work into my. Um, <laughs> <laughs> formative. uh so yeah i mean i don't know we'll we'll see yeah like like tommy said we'll see september uh, fourth week in september we'll all reconvene and we'll have an opinion then on, on how it really goes but um
2: one thing i want to add before we move off of Lindsay, and it's something mac said Max said that they he did not want somebody to come in and change everything and, and so and this is yeah. inside baseball stuff they talked about keeping some of the same terminology he didn't want to really mess with the passing game. He wanted to improve the running game. So I think Lindsey's a good guy to do that, um, where if you it, it, you get some of these other, um, you know, big-headed, I-know-everything coordinators um, that we've seen across the country and in the ACC even, um, they're going to want to do it their way. And, and they're going to want to come in and rip up everything and all two points. Lindsey's not going to do that. He, he, is, he is tasked with improving the running game with the help of Clements and those guys, and also um, it gives these players a fresh start on the offense, and some of these guys that um, maybe some of the fans that are watching this have said, why didn't so-and-so play? Uh, well, like Max said. Everybody's getting a clean slate. You know, Drake Mays is going to be the quarterback. The running backs will have a clean slate and, and all of that with Lindsey and Clements on the offensive line. So I think it'll be an interesting dynamic. They're, coordinators don't stay at places for years unless they're born at Virginia Tech or <laughs> they're getting paid millions of dollars at Clemson and places like that. And, yeah, it, and, and, and so it's long ago, it was time. <laughs>
0: To add on that, Tommy, like I think um, Lonnie Galloway and John Lilly are very involved in the offense already and, and Larry Porter as well. Like that's an established um, group of coaches on the offensive side of the ball. So yeah, you don't want to bring in someone when it's kind of working already. You don't want to bring in someone who's going to completely change everything. You use a whole new offense. I imagine it's kind of a plug and play now where you you kind of meld him in, add, tweak it a little bit, but use a lot of the same stuff. Because you don't want to mess up, you know, Drake.
2: Yeah, and you got got and you got got passing game coordinators. uh, Sorry. No, well, you got passing game coordinator. You got running game coordinator, and you have an offensive coordinator. I mean, it sounds like it's going to be a um, many hands in the fire improving the offense than one guy
1: running the show. Go ahead, Adam. Sorry. A lot of cooks in the kitchen. No, don't you don't have to apologize to me. How about the Mac comment? That what did he say? He didn't. He didn't hire or he didn't pick chip lindsey but he sure did approve him or say it was something like that drake, uh, he
2: made it he made it clear right. that the first message board poster that says well drake may hire the offensive coordinator no that is not what that happened and he made a point to say that
0: and but he it. sure <laughs> did approve
1: him <laughs>
0: how about Matt going in on message board
1: rumors yeah like i there was a point there uh ross and i talked about this some. Um, I felt like he was speaking directly to message board type people there for a portion. I mean, that was it was a fantastic Mac performance yesterday. I thought,
0: like, I mean,
1: he I really, he was, really came out
0: firing. I thought. I don't think it was just message boards. I think it was a particular poster on the inside Carolina Tar Pit Premium Message Board.
1: Wow, we'll, yeah. we would I mean, let people go that far,
0: but I agree with you, Ross. I mean, I think it was people that were making up stuff or that they thought were, you know, that, that Mac Brown thought was making up stuff. I mean, I think, um, these people are on the message boards, uh, way more than I've walked in on a, an SID on inside Carolina before. Um, not, not, uh, not one who's who, who's on football. So yeah. Yeah. Like mean. uh,
1: how un it's just unbelievable to me to think of someone <laughs> with Mac Brown's stature yeah. in college football and his bank account think about the houses
0: this man has worrying about worrying about a message board poster
1: having someone bring him printouts of something someone said on the internet like you could say anything like i just it's i've said this a lot the last couple it's just i just cannot believe that you would care
0: uh but like this is i'm I'm not very successful this is this is my job but i don't go to all i mean there's hundreds of pages on those threads and i can't i don't get past the first couple so to get deep i mean way into deep pages of message boards it's unbelievable like don't worry about message board that's the that's like the whole point is like you don't worry about it because the point is a place for people to ramble and rant and conjecture and rumors to spread anonymously like that's, that's the point of it it's designed for that anonymously like yeah you know, it's so. Like, Message boards are the last pure thing we have in America where you can talk and say anything you want without being getting in trouble for it. Honestly, inside Carolina, you, you can't say everything. I mean, some of those deep, dark message boards, you know, dark web stuff where you, you organize crazy things, Those you can say anything you want. Yeah, I'm, getting, I'm getting all rainhackered. Getting, We're getting in trouble, but getting like... i different... I don't uh, want to know about the dark web. Don't take
1: me uh, there. <laughs>
2: Cut, cut. No, I agree. I mean, it, it is a, it, it, it is an interesting uh, dynamic, the message boards and who pays attention to them, who says they don't pay attention to them, um, but really do. I mean, Chip Lindsey, offensive coordinator, Randy Clements, offensive line coach to go along with Porter and Lonnie Galloway and John Lilly on the offensive side of the ball. Somebody asked about the bowl game in the chat Um there's a story, Adam. You've got the story up from Max' press conference that details um, who's calling plays and who's handling all that. Lonnie Galloway, I thought that was interesting. He's the quarterback's coach this week and leading into the bowl game and, and during that, and will handle calling plays and things like that, along with a couple um, a couple grad GA guys. I don't want to mess up their names, um, but they're very important and they've been around the team, and that's why Clements and Lindsay will be watching and observing observing over the next few days i guess they leave 23rd friday, friday. friday.
0: leave it 23rd the bus the the, the big 18 wheel leaves tomorrow per sources
2: people no, no, forget that
0: to. I'm, I'm gonna tweet about tomorrow people forget that someone has to drive a bus out there with right. all the gear
2: and ride right. with it and people the san diego
0: ride. yeah i mean there are two or three people that ride that thing i mean all the gears load it. up yeah remember the they had the game at cal they had a game at cal a couple mm-hmm. years ago Someone had to drive it. that's why like i don't get what they're playing you know, at Cal, at Minnesota, uh, bowl game, you know, whatever, but that's crazy. Tommy, you want to get into uh, a little bit of the. Sorry, go ahead. What do you think about Lonnie Galloway calling plays? Does
1: anybody have an opinion on how he might do? Uh, I, I mean, I know bowl games are so weird. I mean, you're not going to have Josh Downs out there, you know, like I know it's just they're kind of there in the bizarro own world, but I'm not sure. I'm kind of be interested to see what Lonnie Galloway dials up, you know, like I, I don't know if. He has called plays obviously before, what Louisville and Wake, I guess maybe, or contributed to calling plays.
2: I believe so. I think they ought to let people uh, have contests. You know, like once in a while they did it for the spring game. They ought to do it for the bowl game. Like, <laughs> call your best Madden play or your best NCA fourteen play and send it in to us. Uh, you know, I think it'll be fine. Uh, what if the uh, what if the offense just burns it up in, right. in the bowl game? <laughs> right. And, and then you've got people saying, why didn't you hire Lonnie Galloway? Uh, it'll be uh, – yeah. Yeah. Lonnie's been, we
0: want to go to of Ross. Lonnie's been around a lot of offense. Lonnie's been around a lot offense. He's played quarterback. Yeah, I think he's contributed some offense at Wake Forest and Louisville. I think quickly before you switch to, to Adreed and to basketball, a little like housekeeping. So, these are the guys whose last – this will be their last game as a Tar Heel. <laughs> yeah. Antoine Green, Ed Montillis, you're starting – Left guard. Left guard. Brian Anderson, center. Tied in Kendall Carr. Defensive lineman, Keyshawn Silver and Julio Taylor. These are guys – some of these guys are in the transfer portal. Obi Igbuna, who I think is just a senior and moving on. I mean, he was a big player on special teams. Dante Balfour and Dontavious Nash. Obviously, the big names there, Antoine Green, but his uh, his eligibility is gone. Ed Montillis had an opportunity to come back. He's entering the real world. Storm, Storm uh, Duck won't play in the bowl game. Cam Kelly won't play in the bowl game. Tony Grimes won't play in the bowl game. And then Awesome Richards and Corey Gaynor, obviously both are playing in the bowl game. Both are going to check out their NFL stock after the bowl game to make their decision on their eligibility for last year. Corey Gaynor, I think, has an opportunity to come back and apply for a waiver to play one more year. But UNC added a transfer uh, from Coastal Carolina who played center, so there might be a little security there at that position. I don't know if there's any questions on that. That's kind of a little housekeeping there. And they've added four transfers, right? John, you know him?
3: Uh, off the top of my head, there's the, the cornerback. Uh, they signed the kicker, the center, and then there's one more.
0: Derek Allen, Georgia safety. Right. safety Safety. safety. So they, got, they got a oh. safety in a corner, two positions of need. And these are the guys they got from Coastal Carolina and East Tennessee State. One of the best in the conference, and I know people are like, Why? Where's the SEC transfers? These are two of the best players from lower divisions, and then the center, um, sorry, and then the, the safety, and then a kicker from Cincinnati. Yeah,
2: that that kicker edition was interesting. Uh, sounds like Noah Burnett's been put on notice to, uh, you got some competition going into the spring, and that's a good thing. That's always a good thing. Willie Lampkin out of Coastal, the center, he played center and guard and some tackle at, at Coastal, so he's he's really good, a little undersized. Yeah, and six Derek foot,
0: 275.
2: Yeah, uh, and he's you know, Coastal was pretty good team, and so that'll be some insurance on the inside there. I was surprised Montalus is gone. Um, you know, that opens up some spots. There's going to With a new coach coming in, it will be interesting to see how that offensive line puts together. I I think if I'm Zach Rice, and God knows we've talked about him enough um, and why he wouldn't play and all this, and Mac even referenced that too in his press conference about freshmen not playing. I think this will be an opportunity for him to to make an impact early with his new coach, and we'll see how that goes. But a lot of stuff going on around North Carolina football. And they got a bowl game to play on the twenty eighth.
3: What's Ed Montellis up to? I hear he's he. The the wording was just so interesting about it. Obviously, he is a senior. He has done an amazing job at UNC. He's free to do whatever he wants, but it was just curious. He's he's moving on to other pursuits other than the sport of
0: football. It's just guy's degree and and in the real world, like the rest of us, John. Yeah, time I think to move he's on. He's
1: had an injury too. I okay. mean, I don't know if that's. I think he's had a wrist, maybe. I think he's had an injury that he's been playing through is what uh,
0: we've heard. Doesn't yeah. love the game. That's, <laughs> oh, not, that's not
1: true.
3: <laughs> I was going to say, like, if he needs a LinkedIn, connect. You know, if he needs help finding a job in the real world, we can all help him out.
0: Oh, he's wow. just heading that's into the real world. That's a What's good it? dude. I think, uh, you know, sometimes you're just tired of just getting hit against and banged on for all spring practice and all fall practice. the physical sport, and you want to save some of your sanity you want to walk to
2: practice every morning at 5.30 in the morning, man, to go get hit in the face every day like Clement's talking about? Does he want to wake up and get hit in the face every day? That would get old.
3: Well, I know that he said that Obi-Abuña was off to medical school, which is an awesome pursuit. So I look forward to seeing what Ed does next as well. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. (laughs) uh, I mean, look. After school special there with John. (laughs) Yeah, really. (laughs) Call John Bowman. He
2: gets you a job. We, are we done with football? Is there anything else wants to talk uh, football? Any questions? I didn't see any really good questions in the chat. I guess. It
3: awesome. is it is interesting. I mean, we have a... UNC has a massive bowl game in eight days. And, you know, it's it's like the, the focus hasn't quite shifted over to that game yet, I think, because of the offensive coordinator, because the offensive line coaching hires. But that's a big game next weekend or next week uh, against Oregon out in San Diego. So I look forward to seeing What's the schedule going to be, Tommy? Are you going to do the, the game plan on Monday night or something? Have you figured that out yet?
2: I hadn't even thought about it. What's Monday night? Yeah. That's the day after Christmas? Yeah, I guess so. Monday night, day after Christmas, the Inside Carolina Live will be from 5 to 7 on Wednesday, the day of the game, CHL show. Um, yeah, there's midweek bowl games and Sunday Christmases and Sunday New Year's kind of jack the schedule. Up. Adam, you're going to San Diego, right? Correct. When do you head out there? Can we get a, a live from San Diego boardwalk overlooking Coronado Beach report on, on SA Carolina Live?
1: Yeah, you know, Mac was quick to point out what the weather would be like out there.
2: Probably won't be like it was here this morning.
1: Um, well, but yeah, I mean, like
2: 15 here when you're going
1: over there. Yeah. So will we be doing On the Beat Live
0: next week? I guess I'll be in San Diego. We'll talk about that off the, off the thing Yeah, uh, let, what, what do uh, the people I, want? <laughs> I think one thing that's important is National Sign Day is tomorrow. I know Tommy is new to the show, but, uh, yeah, it's so busy right now. All the transfers, signing this class, hiring two new coaches, and then National Sign Day is tomorrow. They'll sign, uh, I respect most people that have committed uh, until heard otherwise. UNC can see land a commitment today. I think, I think a nice little piece of Woodbury Forest, a six foot four, two 275-pound defensive lineman. You can always use those defensive linemen. You can play both edge and inside. Tom, you want to plug your show tomorrow?
2: Yep, yeah, 7 a.m. from the Man Tower. Ross got out of it. Um, so I'm getting up at 4 in the morning and going to Don's house at uh, – leaving my house because it takes an hour to get there and I have to have primping time. So I'll get up at 4 in the morning to be at Don's house by 6.30 in the morning um, for 7 to 10 a.m. Greg Barnes lives around the corner, so I'm dragging him over there as well. we have a couple guests um, that we'll bring in. But, yeah, signing day special. I guess the third annual or the fourth annual one, does that sound right? First for um, y'all. Lot, first for us, but the inside it's all about Inside Carolina. It's the name on the front of the jersey, Don Callahan's Man Tower. So to be interesting. All I know is I had to order like $100 worth of food from Bojangles and get it door dashed to his house to satisfy that man. But check us out right here on Inside Carolina YouTube channel at 7 o'clock in the morning. We'll be there. We'll be talking about it. I think 20 commitments currently um, with one still outstanding that hadn't announced yet, um, potentially. And then you've got the four transfers. So a lot to talk about tomorrow on that show. A lot to talk about here after the break. We're going to talk about Johnny T-shirt, johnnytshirt.com. Think it's too late to order for Christmas, but you can still go to Chapel Hill, pick it up in store, go visit them on East Franklin Street, get all your gear, your Carolina gear that you need for your Carolina fan, friend, family, whatever, Johnny T shirt and johnny shirt.com. 10% off if you're an Inside Carolina Premium subscriber. And this all this stuff that Ross just mentioned, and we're talking about recruiting, you get it by being an Inside Carolina Premium subscriber. Take the plunge. It's a good time to do it right here at Christmas time. It'll last you forever, and you will spend many hours looking at this stuff and reading up from Don and Sherelle and all that. National Guys will pay the business on The Beat Live, 944 on a Tuesday night. We'll be right back to talk a little basketball after the break.
1: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road.
2: It is on the beat live. I heard that sound. I'm jealous of that sound. Ross Martin, you wanted to talk about Ohio State and Madison Square Garden, but I'm going to ask you this first. You were in the building as an observer, not working. How was it in the garden? I've never been.
0: Yeah, first time for me, it was awesome. Um, you know, it's a big arena. There's a, like a fourth level um, catwalk. I mean, they pack them in there. It's a, it's a nice big bowl. Tons of UNC fans. I know Adam commented about it. Uh, I mean, it must have been 90% Carolina fans there for that first game, you know, because the Kentucky and UCLA fans hadn't really gotten in there. So there's still a lot of empty seats, but it was rocking a lot of Carolina Blue, and, and it was it was a great game. I mean, I, I thought um, you know, you you know, Ohio State got that you know nine, 10 point lead and they're pushing double digits, and then UNC came back, came back. It's got big play from RJ Davis. And, and Baycott kind of got back to his bread and butter. Caleb Love hit a couple threes. And um, Leaky Blatt, a three. And, and they kind of started playing UNC basketball. I thought that press was really key, too. Uh, and, of course, a shot by Pete Nance. And by that point, they had all the momentum. And, and made their free throws and rolled to victory. Um, I thought it was a huge win. Number 23 team they beat. They needed that kind of that, – that non-conference win over a ranked opponent on a big stage. Uh, I, I think it can – push them into kind of playing that way moving forward. Uh, I know that's what UNC fans hope, but um, it was awesome. Awesome experience. Adam, what was it like covering the game? Give us a glimpse inside. Mass Square Uh,
1: Garden. Shout out George Jenkins and Preston from Greensboro on chat. Love it. Hilarious. You guys crack me up all the time. Um, Somebody said take the bus. Stay classy. (laughs) Excellent. I got it. Uh, A little Ron Burgundy action. You know what they say? The San Diego's – San Diego translates to. Never mind. Um I mean, <laughs> I, I echo Ross. Uh, like, I thought – I'm going to go overboard. I thought it was – I mean, this was like a, for a December game that doesn't decide a championship. This was kind of a bucket list experience for myself. I have been to the Garden before. I had never covered a game there. Uh, it is unreal since they did that renovation. I mean, this that place is sparkling. I – I was. I don't know how Ross felt about it. The Carolina turnout was nuts. I mean, they showed up. It felt like, I said to Armando after the game, I said, I mean, it felt like Philadelphia last year when Carolina beat UCLA and St. Peter's. Somehow Carolina had that crowd in Philly, too.
0: Um, yeah, and was, I wonder why. Like, I don't know if it was just perfect storm. Like, I went up there because it was Christmas in New York, and, it's, and I've never been to Madison Square Garden. I think a lot of people felt that same way. And, right. and then you have way more basketball fans. You know, Ohio State fans are focused on the uh, college football mm-hmm. playoff, whereas UC fans coming off of a national championship appearance, they're jacked up. You got a lot of fans in the New York area. But then, I mean, I saw tons of people from Chapel Hill there. I mean, I saw a bunch of people that I knew. So I don't, who, who knows how many were actually there. So I wonder why there were so many kind of fans there.
1: I agree. I expected, you know how it is, Ross. Well, you guys all know how it is. I expected Big Blue Nation, the Kentucky mm-hmm. fans to show up. And I mean, Carolina fans just swarmed that place. It was hilarious listening to Armando. He asked us afterward how many how many people does the place hold. And someone, one of the New York guys, I think your guy Zag's blog, Ross, uh, six. Sure. Your guy, uh, I think he said like about nineteen. And Armando goes, "We must have had fourteen thousand or fifteen thousand, right?" Then so then later there was a like formal press conference with Hubert and Armando. Someone asked you know, about the the atmosphere. Armando was like, we must have had 16 or 17,000. He just kept going up and up by the <laughs> thousand. Um, but I was attempting to take a video for the Inside Carolina uh, Twitter uh, Twitter channel. The, the Wi-Fi was not good. Just right before tip-off of what it looked like, what the Carolina blue looked like. I was panning around. And um, it was something. I mean, it was something. And the game, I thought the game delivered. I mean, obviously Carolina was down by 14 in the first half. They're down by 11 in the second half. As Rawl said, they're down by 10 with, set, with 645 left. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a win that you point to uh, in March, you know, when you're getting the NCAA tournament resume together. And I think it was – I mean, you don't want to – I guess they're all must-wins, as Tommy would say. But, uh, you know, like you know, in terms of Michigan, who, you know, who they're playing tomorrow night in Charlotte, Michigan's net is like 85. Michigan, this is a quad two game which is kind of wild to think about playing Michigan on a neutral court and it being a quad two thing by the net rankings. But Michigan is like UNC. They've played some big-time games against, like, Kentucky and UVA. They haven't won those games. They've only beaten mid-majors. But it was a special day there. You know, you got to – obviously, you got to walk to the arena. You're walking down – like, I was walking down 8th Avenue to go to MSG and, as Ross said, Christmas time in the city, just – Super cool vibes. The vibes were immaculate, as the young people would say.
3: I'll tell you what game it reminded me a little bit of. It reminded me of the 2017 UNC Kentucky. I believe it was 2017. Out in it was, Las Vegas. That was uh, that was December
0: 20, 2015, 2016 season. Gotcha.
3: That game, very similar to me. And I think what that game helped that team with was experience coming into March Madness. And I think this team is going to get that same boost obviously last year's run they have tons of experience in march but still they got an opportunity to play in front of a big time audience national television a close game against a great opponent that is going to help this team throughout the rest of acc play and into march and also watching on television this quote is just an all-timer to me armando baycott said i would die for this school i mean that (laughs) is we talked about it last week with armando and how he's a great quote but that is an awesome quote. I think it perfectly captures, uh, you know, kind of his spirit for the University of North Carolina. Very cool uh, to see him say that. And obviously he's, he's kidding, um, but it's a great quote. I'm
1: going to so ask tell you about you. that tomorrow. Yeah. Like, I mean, how about Armando's? What did he say to Holly Rowe at Duke last year? You know, like, uh, you know, all due respect to Coach K or whatever. He's had a great career, but we came here to make it a street fight or something like, you know, he's saying that on the court is <laughs> they're getting ready to yeah. honor K after he's he great. got
0: beat. Um, yeah. Hey, Adam, so I was going to ask you, why, what do you think UNC did to to win the game? Like, what what changed? What did you see in those closing, you know, 10 minutes to, to pull it out regulation, I guess?
1: Yeah, I mean, I thought the press really helped them. Um, you know, I thought that, that, sped up the game and got them out of, uh, got Ohio state out of sorts. I thought UNC was the better team. And that finally just what bore itself. Is that the right way that it, it, it proved itself out over the course of the game. And they needed every single second because when well, Bryce sense hit the little jumper over leaky with two seconds left, I was like, well, you know, the comeback has been for naught. that's going to be a UNC loss, you know? Um But yeah, I mean, I, you know, I don't know. It was it was strange. Like Armando did not score until the ten forty five mark of the first half. I feel like the first ten minutes he couldn't catch the ball. I don't know if they were totally jacked up or what, but like, he had a couple ones that hit hit his hands. Just you know, there he's losing them out of bounds. He's spinning all over the place. You know how he gets that spin going. Um, Caleb and R J still have not made a three, and God knows when. I think Caleb was four for thirteen from three, and R J was like one for five. Even though I thought both played really well um but I just felt like UNC's talent ultimately finally took over
0: just in the nick of time because I think they were a better team than Ohio State is um Caleb, Caleb took 13 threes yeah four for 13 and he had he had a big one late he also missed a couple big ones late too he was jacking he up. That's, he was- that's 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 the kind of Caleb experience right and he's gonna shoot a bunch and you know one or two may go in. And he played well in the second half.
1: R.J. played great in the second half. I mean, these, these guys made some big shots and some big plays down the stretch. Yeah. And you're like, you're right, Ross. There was the one – what was the one possession they had four shots. And Caleb missed a three. They got the offensive rebound, kicked it back out to Caleb at the top of the key. And I was like, oh, that's down because, you know, he was stepping into it. There was no one on him. I was like, that thing is down. That position, I think, ended up with the R.J. Davis three-point play over Zed Key, which was huge. Um, but just to, I wanted to tell, I don't think I've had a chance to tell Ross, we've had so much different things going on. Like, you know, for people like us who get to get the privilege of going in the locker room, you know, shout out Steve Kirshner still gives us the open locker room where you can just go in and start talking to people. I roll in there after hurriedly finishing the instant analysis, you know, they've already opened the locker room. Everyone is around Pete Nance, as you might expect. There's no, literally no one talking to Caleb Love. So my whole thing is just what I do is I try to go to people who are wide open because I want to talk to them one-on-one. I figure I'll get Pete in the second wave. And I went over there and we started talking to Caleb. I only talked to him for like three minutes. And the first thing I said was, well, tell me about that play Hubert drew up to, to get Pete the shot at the end of regulation. And Caleb told me, well, it wasn't Hubert. It was Coach Lebo. And so, like, that was when I found out. I didn't know that. You know, like, where we were sitting, I, we couldn't see. You saw on TV. The people who were watching TV saw it much better than, than we did at the game. So, Caleb Love told me. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was Jeff Lebo with the play diagram, which was great. It was interesting talking to Caleb about that. Then you go over to Armando, who unbelievably had no one around him. Taylor Vipless and I got him one-on-one for a while. Taylor's videoing him. I'm just shooting off these questions. And Armando says, as I'm sure you guys saw in the stuff that we wrote that I didn't really understand the play. (laughs) Like, I mean, it's just unbelievable to hear these guys. I mean, Armando Bicott's one of the greatest players in Carolina basketball history. Um, I didn't understand the play. (laughs) And you go back and you watch the videos and you see (laughs) that he was confused in the huddle. So um, just super cool stuff. And yeah, they had to have it. I'm interested to see how they play tomorrow night after getting, you know, playing the way they did and getting this win. I'm interested to see if they can keep their foot on the gas pedal. I think that's what makes uh, – I mean, to and Hubert mentioned it, you got to stack wins.
2: And, and, yes, beating Ohio State was a big win. It was a beat-a-ranked team. Y'all have talked about that. But you got to follow it up by beating Michigan because, to your point, Adam, if you lose to Michigan and they're 80-whatever and it's a quad too, that's a bad loss when it comes down to it. So they have to win. I think this game – the more they win, the more it becomes imperative that they do win. And, and especially going into the holiday because they don't play again until a win, the 30th against Pitt. So right. they, they, they're going to have nine days or however many days to sit and, and either burn on a loss to Michigan or push it forward by winning Michigan and going four straight. John B., what do you think? I, I think the team – I think this team maybe took a step or two forward but to Dewey's point in the post game that we did after Ohio State, they still got to figure out a way to get rid of the turnovers. I mean, there are just times where RJ and Caleb just literally give it to the, their defender. just like here. And, and that is the maddening part. If they can cut that out, then I think Carolina can be as good as they were at the end of the year. What do you think, John?
3: Yeah, I, I agree about the, the turnovers, the shooting as well. They still have to find a way to find better quality three-point shots. Uh, And they're going to get a good chance tomorrow night against Michigan. I think, too, that atmosphere in Charlotte is going to be really interesting. I would be surprised if it wasn't the same as it was. Maybe not to the same extent, but it's going to be a very pro-Carolina crowd in that building uh, on uh, Wednesday night. Two of my family members will be there, so that's a sample size. One-third of my family will be there. That means there will be a lot of Tar Heel fans in the building. I think it's going to be another great atmosphere.
0: It's in Charlotte, John. Of course, it's gonna be mostly mm-hmm. Carolina fans. It's in the same state as the university. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and some you know, it's you know, some of those fans <laughs> don't get a chance to go to many games. You know, mm-hmm. you take you know, this is the one time they're in Charlotte. Let's take the whole family. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. we'll be rocking. Um, yeah, I said back when when they won that four game losing streak, I said they gotta win the next four, and they're they're three, uh, the three games to winning the next four. So this is another big one. Um, but they got the one I think that mattered the most, and that's the Ohio State um, game. I think I think hitting shots, getting Caleb Love and R.J. Davis back on track, hitting shots is, is the key. When Caleb and R.J. Davis are playing well, and R.J. Davis and Caleb Love played pretty well uh, against Ohio State, especially R.J. Davis late. You know, they're a better team. You, know, you kind of like know what Armando Bacot is going to give this team. So I think it's all it's all about Love and Davis. Um, Davis Love, a little shout out there. So – yeah um Building we off that, Rals, I got a little stat. you
1: guys can read about it in the uh, the preview for the Michigan game that's on InsideCarolina.com right now. Uh, Caleb loves last two games. 13 assists, only two turnovers. Yep. Uh, he had six assists, uh, zero turnovers against Citadel, the game Rawls covered and then he had seven assists and two turnovers the other day against Ohio State. It's three straight games for Caleb with more assists than turnovers three straight wins for the Tar Heels. I don't know if you can call that a victory barometer or not, but uh I said he's, you know, he's trending in the right directions. The Tar Heels have jumped up to 20, number 24 in the net, uh which is super good place to be if you got four losses. Um trending in the right direction. We'll see what happens. Yep, and you know, after after Michigan,
2: then you're off, you got Pitt. Adams flying from San Diego to Pittsburgh. Said no one ever. uh need pack for that, by the way. Uh, yeah, really. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know how to answer that one. You, two two cases. And then they got Wake Forest on January 4th, and Wake Forest just beat Duke tonight. So, uh, you know, they got to stack the wins. If they can win this one against Michigan, beat Pitt, and, and then go into the new year, what'd that make them? Nine and four?
1: I think so. If they beat They're, Pitt, they'll be, ten, they'll be eight, nine and four if they win tomorrow night. Eight and four, right now.
2: Yeah, beat Pitt ten and four going into the new year, and then you're looking a lot better um, because you don't you don't have a ton of options. You know, Miami's pretty good, Virginia's pretty good, um, but Florida State, Louisville. Those teams are terrible. And they I, coach not...
1: Virginia pretty early in the new year too, I believe. Yeah. Uh, Virginia, January tenth. There you wow. go,
0: Roll. Pitt, Wake, Notre Dame, Virginia.
2: Yep. So if they can get to twelve and four going to Virginia. I think Carolina would be in a good spot. Anything okay. left, boys?
1: Adam, oh, is that cool. your one stat for the day? Well, I just thought of that one. Um, yeah, you know, interesting. Uh, I had spoken to Ross about this off-camera. Uh, interesting little nugget. Anybody remember Joey Baker that played at Duke the last couple of years? Remember Coach K said uh had him graduate early from high school just to sit him on the bench? Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, he's on Michigan's team. He comes off the bench for Michigan. Doesn't play a ton. Averages about four points a game. Um, you know, I don't know if Ross has any thoughts on that or not. But, you know, like it's, it was kind of a blast from the past when I was looking through the Michigan stuff. I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot Joey Baker was even there. Well, hey, I watched Duke tonight and
2: recognized one guy on their team, and that was Jeremy Roach, and that's because he's been there three years. Everybody else never heard of him other than recruiting stuff.
0: So. I saw that tweet, Tommy, and I completely agree. I don't. You know all these guys; they're missing the two top freshmen. But I was—I I, I don't know all these new players. They had seven or eight freshmen on the on the Duke's team. Joey Baker, you know, a, a North Carolina guy. UNC didn't offer him. Didn't do much at at, at Duke. Uh, Coach K did get him to skip his senior prom and enroll early, <laughs> and he just didn't do much at um, at Duke. It really wasn't a factor. But, oh, uh, you know what? Getting... Ross?
1: I don't think he played the the game we were at at Cameron. He didn't even play his senior day, did he? No. They didn't put him in the game.
0: Yeah. One game. one note, one note before we get out of here. I was surprised that the Dean Dome is more capacity than Mass Square Garden.
2: Dean Dome was the second biggest on campus arena at 21444. 4, 4, so if Madison mm-hmm. Square Garden's only nineteen or twenty. Yeah.
0: Dean Dome is twenty-one uh seven hundred and fifty two one seven five oh and Mass Square Garden here on the Google is twenty seven eight nine. And I thought Madison Square Gardens felt a lot bigger, but the Dean dome just way too big. I think, up, cha- I think they, I think
1: the seating capacity changed after the renovation at MSG. Could be wrong about that, but I think they, they, you know, tightened it up a little bit.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Dean dome. I agree with you, Ross. The Dean dome's way too big. I mean, it's it's hopping like one game a year. Yeah, Who covered game. Indiana? Adam, you cover Indiana. I at, did. one that wild and that very loud,
1: back and rocking. So. It was very oh, loud. They had a lot of students in there. I mean, they were, you kind of forget what it's like to go, you know, play a true road game sometimes early in the non-conference schedule when, you know, you're in Portland and some of these other sh- places like they, yeah, they were it's pretty hot. It was pretty loud that night in Bloomington.
0: Assembly Hall, 17,222. I think the Dean Dome needs to be about 1,600. I think Virginia is a good model. Build in a lot of uh, luxury suites. They need to kind of, I think they just need to tear it down. Honestly, I don't know if they will, but no, <laughs> the man
2: is going scorched earth. I think, <laughs> no, I, think, you, uh,
0: I think that's part of the plan, honestly.
2: I think you go around um, where the overhang, where the mezzanine hangs over the lower level. You go around that. You make luxury boxes all the way around. Mm-hmm. Then you pull the seats back, like the risers. Um, you pull that back around the court. You pack that with students. It is asinine that the students' overflow is in the freaking nosebleed at mm-hmm. the Dean Dome. But anyway, they could make it loud. You could get enough students around the court, and it could be loud, even if the upper deck was empty. Anyway, yeah, let's it's get out of ar-
0: Architectural—it's hard. It's a—it's an architectural uh, disaster there. I hope they figured out. All right, sorry. No, you be
3: the you be the ones to tell all those people with the seats you, you have to move seats.
1: There it that's, is, right that's, there. Like, that's what I'm give on them the give them free the
2: give them free alcohol in the luxury suites and move them up. I'm sure they could find a, a way to work it out. Never happened. Never happened in our lifetime. Uh, had one question. And I'm going to answer this question, and we're getting out of here. Why does Davis use the impressive defense only at times of desperation?s can it not be sprinkled in throughout? I think <laughs> they don't have – he's not comfortable with enough depth to run 40 minutes of hell for 40 minutes. Um, but it does work at times. But, you know, it's probably something they could do before they get down 14. But anyway <laughs> – I guess we'll see against Michigan. We're not going into that. That's basically what Hubert Davis said is that they don't have the depth that they can run it all the time, and so there it is. John Bowman, you got anything left? Ross, what happened to the mustache? This is
3: big. Mm-hmm.
0: I, just, I mean, it's, it was never a permanent thing. I just I shave when I feel like I want to shave. Grow it out when I want to grow it out, you know? You Man. heard it here first. That's the beauty of being an American. <laughs> the right to choose.
2: free and clear of anything else ross martin's mustache is no longer merry christmas everybody happy holidays all that stuff i guess is the last time we'll talk to you guys uh we'll be back tomorrow morning 7 a.m check out the signing day special adam have a safe travel to san diego i hope it rains and it's cloudy and 50 degrees ross martin have a safe holiday here john don't go anywhere i might need you tomorrow morning Anything left? I'm getting out of here. We are closing this up. Merry Christmas. We say yep. Christmas here. Happy holidays, everybody. <laughs> Jesus Adios.
1: God. Bye.
0: Johnny
2: T-shirt. Peace.
0: The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports
1: Podcast Network.